Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Can you imagine what would happen on Monday if we got a trade deal over the weekend? After an incredible session where the Dow surged 223 points. Hey, breaking through the key 28,000 level. That was easy. While the S&P gained 0.77%. Sit straight up week. Bye, bye, bye. And then Nasdaq set a new record, rising 0.73%. House of pleasure. On positive trade chatter, I have to tell you, I think it is within reach. We need to approach this stuff with a certain amount of skepticism. But it's a real possibility. All that needs to happen, frankly, as I've spent my whole day on this, is that the Chinese need to pay market prices for boatloads of pork. And we could get an agreement that opens up their markets to our financial companies. A pork deal wouldn't even be much of a favor. You know the Chinese need pork because their pigs have been dropping like flies thanks to that swine flu, Asian swine flu. No one's been able to solve it yet. But that's the sticking point. See, President Trump knows the Chinese actually want and need our pork. Yet... They keep trying to bargain with them. I mean, come on. At this point, I honestly don't think that they're that far apart, at least not according to the president's chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow. However, if China doesn't give in and order some bacon, it could be curtains for these trade talks. If the negotiations fail, that ushers in the next round of tariff hikes, which would, of course, uh, go into effect in December and might crimp this beautiful six-week rally. Without a deal by Monday, I bet we'll actually see some major profit taking in a host of sectors led by healthcare. Now, this group, especially the managed care stocks, went completely bonkers today after they got two fabulous pieces of news. Not one, but two. First, the president unveiled a new transparency program so everyone can know the actual cost of their health care. And it was a lot less intrusive than investors had expected. Then second, Senator Elizabeth Warren, the Democratic frontrunner, said she wouldn't try, that's would not try to implement single payer until the third year of her presidency. Well, hey, Wall Street's been terrified that she wants to abolish private health insurance. Talk about just wiping out a whole sector. But today we got reason to believe that she might be more open to compromise or at least to kicking the can down the road. No wonder the managed care cohort absolutely caught fire. And given Warren's statements and uh, how underinvested portfolio managers are in this group, it may not be done. Uh, my Chapel Trust, you can follow along at actualersplus.com. We trim some because we're not greedy. Still, I, I mean, and also because I do have some doubts that the Democrats will keep vacillating on health care as the primary goes on. And the next time Warren says something harsh about this group, 
Well, it's going to give up some of its gains, so we're just trying to be charry. Of course, worrying about this stuff is probably pointless. None of these pie-in-the-sky programs are even going to pass Congress in 2020, even if it's a wave year for the Democrats. But we know from experience that Wall Street will take any excuse to freak out about the managed care stocks. That's why they've been so horrible. Uh, anyway, so I expect a little puff day on Monday. What about the rest of the week? Tuesday, we get results from three big retailers, Home Depot, Kohl's and TGX. I expect some people have tons of good things to say, thanks to this uh, pickup in housing. By the way, the stock tends to open up and then go down really hard. I've followed this pattern for, I don't know, when Bernie Marcus is running the darn thing. Uh, however, the despot does tend to um, then rally over time, so you can buy the weakness. If you don't own it yet, though, after I just told you, I think you'll wait for the quarter. TJX is worshipped on Wall Street. I shop there, and not here, this is, I, this is a Brioni, but I like to shop at TJ. I got a belt there recently and a nice pair of slacks. And I have to tell you, whatever they say, goes. They, they could say, listen, we're going to burn all our stores down. People love these things so much. So TJX, it works. Kohl's, I'm calling it a conundrum. The last quarter, horrendous. Can this company really turn itself around in 90 days? Call me skeptical, but they do that tie-in with Amazon. They got those big brands. I like the stores. They're nice and clean. That may not be enough. Next week, we're going out to San Francisco in part to cover Dreamforce, Salesforce's cloud computer, computing extravaganza. These trips are always incredibly educational. The companies I speak to out there have so much to tell us. That's where all the action is. I mean, I, mean, I can sit here and just talk about Goldman Sachs until my head's blue like the Blue Man Group who retweeted me today. Uh, but I can tell you that the place to get all the information is here. And that's exactly where we are going. I don't like to sleep next week, so I don't. Anyway, on Wednesday, we hear from two of my faves for the holiday season, Target and Lowe's. Now, Target's become a terrific turnaround. So have you been there lately? Have you been to the inner city ones? Have you been to the Have you checked those out? I mean, they're unbelievable. And the leadership of CEO Brian Cornell is fantastic. Lowe's, a bit of a work in progress. Where did I get that from? Marvin Ellison, the man at the helm. He tells me, Tim, it's a work in progress. I believe in the work, and I think he's doing a great job. The stores are much, you should go to stores. Go, try to go one oh, that you haven't been to in a long time. It is so much more clean, and the help there, the people are much more helpful. After the close, Medtronic reports. Now, we've liked this medical device maker ever since we met with its CEO at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference earlier this year, retiring. Medtronic may not jive with the stronger economy that I've been talking about, but the company is a standout performer, and the device stocks are red hot. Remember Dexcom the other day? <laughs> Thursday, we get results from Macy's. Hmm. So many people are betting against this chain because it's developed a habit, a nasty habit, by the way, of missing the numbers. I think that negativity means it may actually be a decent trade going into the quarter. Or to put it another way, can Macy's really be as bad as the stock seems to be suggesting? I don't think so. Hey, the Bloomingdale still looks good. There's nice stuff there. I get some stuff from my wife there. Apropos of absolutely nothing. Anyway, uh, if you buy Macy's for uh, trade, I don't overstay your welcome. By contrast, Ross Stores reports after the close, and this is another one of those worship stocks. The discount almost always reports a decent number. Then the stock gets hit, usually for about 2 to $3, and then you buy it because wake, uh, 10 days later, it's dramatically higher. That's just how it trades. I've been training forever. Uh, and then I, I, I once, you know, they have really cheap uh, belts and uh, umbrellas. Then there's Splunk, the cloud-based software analytics pipe. Earlier this week, the stock was hammered by a boutique research outfit that argued the shares might be overvalued. I think Splunk's fantastic, although I recognize the space got a little crowded, including a tough competitor that we're going to introduce to you tonight that I think you might like more than Splunk. That's a hint. 
That said, well, I'm siding with the bulls when it comes to spunk. Now, let's talk about one more that is really problematic versus the old days when it was just red hot. But that was the days before the web. Nordstrom. This is another department store that's generally perceived as being completely off its game. Their new store in New York City. I went there this week. It's Marvel. But it's also a symbol of everything investors have rebelled against. A big brick and mortar institution with high prices, no real place to park. Uh, hard pass. Oh, and remember the bulls out there. Please be careful on Thursday. You know what happens? Uh, this uh, Loretta Mester, she's the, the president of the uh, Cleveland Fed. She's going to be speaking. She is a one woman bull market wrecking crew. She's amazing. I mean, a little over a year ago. Uh, this woman talked about an accelerating economy right when we were about to crash, said the Fed needed to tighten aggressively, right when they needed to, to loosen aggressively. It was an appalling performance that contributed to the market's horrendous fourth quarter meltdown. I wouldn't be surprised if she does the exact same thing around this time. Uh, what can I say? She's a downer. Friday, we take the pulse of the food stocks with J.M. Smucker in a group that's been all over the place. Smucker's really been bad. Uh, they got these got categories, pet food and uh, coffee, that, coffee, coffee, that are a little too competitive. Uh, I think the stock can bottom, though, at a certain level. I'm certainly waiting. And then get this, Foot Locker reports, and this one's too difficult for me to game. If I like sports, I'll get, go get Nikes. I'll go get Under Armour's more than that later. Of course, these days we scrutinize everything through the prism of the trade war. I think Foot Locker's numbers could give us some insight into how the consumer's handling the tariffs. So far, so good. The bottom line, after still one more bullish week, and that's not deniable. That's not fake news or interesting. It's not only oh, it's just true. This market needs a win in these negotiations with China. Bring home the bacon. If we don't get something positive, I think the whole edifice will start to crack. Unfortunately, at this point, it's really up to the Chinese. But that might make these big pork purchases and keep cracking down on fentanyl smugglers. And guess what? I think that will do the trick. <laughs> Ralph in New York, Ralph. Yeah, booyah, Jim. Thanks for helping people like myself. I got limited experience, and uh, I need some help in this game. Well, I can help. I'm here to help. Okay, look. Back in July, I bought a small position in Hasbro. Okay. And I paid just under $122 for it. Ouch. Ouch! I'm down about 21, 22% now. Now, I know it's tariff sensitive, but what do you see about Hasbro? Well, they just did a big uh, equity offering to pay down uh, for a deal they made. Uh, you know, they had all sorts of things go wrong, uh, especially, of course, Toys R Us. Not unlike, I think, Under Armour had some bad luck with Sports Authority. I think at 95, you're fine. I just don't think that uh, I don't want to necessarily average down here, in part because they just did this big equity offering, and the stock's trading very heavily. All right, we need something positive on China. We do, we do, we do, we really do, or else the edifice could do some cracking. All right, oh, man, money tonight. It helps over 18,000 brands, including Delta, HSBC, Home Depot, communicate with their customers, and it's up ah, 100% so far this year. Ah. Okay, uh, is it time to consider live person? I've got the CEO. Then, with better than expected retail sales this morning, wondering what the heck is happening in this space? I'm giving my, you my take. And I'm eyeing the Henry Schein spinoff, Covetris, to see if the stock at last could be part of the humanization of pets in a way that is not destructive. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. For the first eight months of the year, this market had nothing but love for the cloud-based software stocks. The whole group was almost universally reviewed. Then the cloud went out of style for the bulk of September and October, and the whole group was almost universally hated. Once earnings season really got rolling, though, we started seeing something new. It's called meritocracy. Some cloud companies have seen their stocks roar after reporting spectacular numbers, but the market's got very high standards now for what counts as a win here. Take Live Person. That's the software as a service company that uses artificial intelligence to help other businesses handle customer relations management. Basically, their tech lets companies make bots that can talk to their customers directly via text. They also call it conversational commerce, and there's a lot more to it. Last week, Live Person reported a confusing quarter. It delivered a top-line beat, substantial bottom-line miss, and while management raised their full-year revenue forecast, they also cut their earnings forecast much more meaningfully. In response, the stock tumbled 13% last Friday. Although it's been able to bounce a bit back this week, it's still down a couple bucks from where it was trading for the quarter. Had a big move today. But this morning, the analyst William Blair initiated coverage on Live Person with a terrific report if you want to understand the stock. And I think that caused it to rally 5% along with the rest of the market. Is the stock been overly punished? Let's check in with Rob Locasio. He is the founder and CEO of Live Person. He had a better read on the quarter and his company's prospects. Rob, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you. How are you doing, All right. Now, I read through the quarter. I like to do it in a vacuum. That's how I do my homework. And I don't look at the stock. Yeah. And I thought it was a great quarter. Yeah, we had a great quarter. So, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, and the stock's bouncing right back. So, I I think if you could just give us some highlights, uh, starting with with a great slide in your uh, deck, consumers live their lives on messaging. Yes. So, we think about, we're all messaging our friends and family, and now we give the ability to message with brands, uh, and we power it all with AI. It's really aligning to where the whole world is going. I don't see us on websites and making phone calls and being put on hold. Message a brand like you message your friend and family. We're powering all that for Delta Airlines, for some of the biggest companies in the world. Well, uh, some big wins here. A a top five cable company, a world leader conversational bank. I like that. I wish my bank conversed with Uh, me more, frankly. Uh, The third airline of the big five. So they're all kind of, they're all, what, just adopting one at a time, realizing this is what they must do because their competition has it? Yes. When you look at we have now four of the top five airlines. Great. When you think about... We're all using you is what you're saying. Exactly. They're using us. And when you think about the holiday season coming up, you know what happens. It's it's snowing. You're stuck in an airport. You go put on hold. You got to change your flight. Now, like with Delta Airlines, you can message. You can right there, change your flight. Uh, and, and not have to worry about it. And I just saw that Delta put on the back of the seats at the, on the TV screens, now you can message us on Apple Business Chat. I so think about how they're promoting that. Yeah, You had a terrific slide about Apple Business Chat and how comfortable you guys are. You're really just part of the mix now yep. of what I guess is going to be, what, 1.5 billion phones? I mean, they've got some huge number. Exactly. So think about it. a billion consumers now, when they click on a phone number, mm-hmm. instead of calling now with Apple Business Chat, it'll just offer message us directly. So... When we think about 2020, I really think it's the start 
of like everyone having it. I think AI is now becoming uh, something that's not uh, just out there. It's something that we use to drive everyday life. Right. What do you think about it? We're driving everyday life with this stuff. You can buy shoes with AI on our platform. You can do airlines. Uh, you can do T-Mobile. Change your, your subscription to T-Mobile. That's the stuff in everyday life. Uh, I, I, you, there's a stock uh, that I follow closely, NVIDIA, that was down today. And I was thinking people just didn't listen to the call because it's about conversation. It's about inference. It's yes. about, this is where the world's going. But you also do something. You monitor Facebook and uh, and Twitter for what people are saying? Yes. Yeah, so we look now. We've seen the social channels also. People are out there, customers, talking about brands. Right. And we're saying, how can we bring that onto the platform so that they can have a one-on-one conversation with the brands that are on the platform. So it just changed the game. Versus someone says, hey, I think this company's terrible. Right. They haven't served right. me right. And they're trying to react. Now they can connect with them, stay connected with them through a messaging channel. And, and that's what's really changing the game. But I go back to it, it's like AI, it's been out there. And, you know, you right. talk about a lot. But we're actually 50% of all those conversations on our platform are powered by AI. So we're like one of the few companies that it's, it's, it's not a piece of our puzzle. Right. It's the entire puzzle. Well, also, you're, you must be gathering, creating a lot of, in a totally above yeah. way, data. You yes. have a huge amount of data, so that, does that inform AI? Yes. So when you look at the conversations, what people are asking about, we have 60 million conversations a month digitally that are on our platform. We've got hundreds of millions. So it's 270 billion phone calls. calls. So it's like we, we are having this data. I call it a data moat in the oh, world of digital. Right. I that was a great, great call yeah. because I know that my first reaction is, well, hold on. Warren Buffett always talks about what's the moat. That's correct. You have a data moat. Correct. And in the world of digital, whether you're uh, Google with search or social, uh, with Facebook, we have this very unique asset, which is millions and millions of conversations. And if you want to do machine learning AI, automate those conversations, right. you have to have them. And we gather them over you know, many years of being in this business. Now, last question. The uh, younger people obviously don't like to talk. So this yeah. is their technology, right? Yes. So when you think about millennials, uh, and this is the largest population, right. uh, they are texting, they are driving a lot of the different behaviors. They drove why people don't go into stores. They're driving now why people are using conversational commerce to buy. Well, you guys are in the sweet spot. Not overnight success, long term and terrific. 25 years. You've done a great job. That's Robert Locosti. He's founder and CEO of Live Person, a stock that you know we like. And it's got all the things that we talk about, all the tools to make it so that you are treated well. Customer relations. Absolutely. And money's back in. Has retail just gone completely crazy? The big retailers have been beaten down by recession fears. And now they have caught fire. While the few winners in the group have turned into rapid losers. It's like the world's been turned upside down. Macy's is flying, yet Walmart stock can't get out of its own way, even though the company reported a stellar quarter. Doggy dog Coles has been on a tear at the same time, the best of breed Costco seems toppy. I mean, like, that's like, you think Coles win that Westminster dog show? I don't think so. PVH, the parent of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, has rallied more than 30 points since last August. The mall dwellers like L Brands and Gap, they're actually getting some lift. Can you believe it? Even the troubled Under Armour had a good day. What's driving this retail reshuffle? 
First, we got some better than expected retail sales data this morning. That emboldened buyers to pick up some of the second-tier players that have been stalled or pancaked. They're betting that a rising tide lifts all retail boats. Second, we've had cold snaps all over the country. Perfectly timed to move winter merchandise. Third, some of these beaten-down retail stocks were indeed priced for Armageddon, or at least a severe recession. Now that employment stayed strong and the Fed's repeatedly cut interest rates, well, that's a disaster scenario. Take it off the table. And that's why the losers have started winning. But how do we explain today's weakness in the old winners like Walmart and Costco? Simple. There's very little new money coming into this market. So when money managers want to make a new investment, they need to sell something else to raise capital. That's something else. Walmart, Costco. Does the retail rotation make any sense? Well, that's different. Why don't we take them case by case, starting with Macy's? The company reports next Thursday, and judging by the stock's performance, down more than 40% for the year, Wall Street doesn't expect anything good. The Bears know the shopping mall is a dying institution, and they don't believe Macy's can reinvent itself. They might be wrong, but with a 9% yield, I think it could be an interesting trade, because as bad as the quarter might be, the stock's reflecting much worse. That said, Macy's is only a trade, not an investment, until we see much more from them. The source, uh, they source so much merchandise from China that you're also betting on a trade deal here. If the Chinese don't bring home the bacon, this one goes lower. As for Kohl's, this thing's already had an epic run from 43 to 59, so I think we need to be a little more circumspect. Now, we own this one for the Chapel Trust. I've been telling members of the ActionAlertsPlus.com club the same thing. It's caught fire here in part because of the, some, some good luck with their Amazon partnership. The moment you can go uh, to Kohl's to return your Amazon orders in person, in the back, so you've got to walk all through the store. And the company reports next Tuesday, and if they don't say great things about Amazon, I expect the stock will get hammered. But if they have any glimmer of daylight about it, it actually could still go up. Next up, the cold weather is perfect for PVH. I think the company behind Calvin Klein and Tommy Elfker could be doing better both domestically and in Europe. Uh, while the stock has already rebounded hard from its lows, just under 100 bucks, still more than 30 bucks off its April highs. PVH reports a good quarter at the end of the month. I could see your shares roaring. All right, so what about the mall dwellers at uh, Gap and L Brands, the latter being the parent of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works? Well, let me be brutally honest here. They both lack relevance and panache. Their brands are tired. They're old. I think you should use any strength that you're getting right here to sell and then there's the ailing, and I'm going to put quotes around that because you're going to listen to me on this, Under Armour. Now, Under Armour finally showed some signs of life today. This stock has been having a horrible last few months. Latest downdraft coming after we found out about the SEC and the Justice Department conducting a probe into their accounting practices. But a funny thing happened today. The Wall Street Journal published a seemingly brutal article titled Inside Under Armour Sales Scramble, Pulling Forward Every Quarter, end quote. And the stock actually rallied. The story seemed totally wrongheaded to me. The only thing former CEO Kevin Plank seems guilty of is being a hard-charging executive who tried to inspire his people. I think Under Armour made real sales to real stores for real money, that there was no revenue recognition issue, and that the recent weakness will turn out to be a buying opportunity. Yes, I'm calling it that because this investigation is weighing on it. But I think Plank will tough things out and ultimately prevail. How about the stocks being sold? As much as I love Walmart and Costco, these stocks are right in the crosshairs of the current rotation, out of the steady growers and into the episodic cyclical names that benefit more from a strong economy. Incredible at Walmart. What a coincidence. They reported the same day that this thing turned. Sooner or later, this rotation will run its course. And when it does, you'll wish to, that you had bought some of these best of breed operators. In the meantime, I'm going to give you my blessing to start buying some Walmart right here. Do it slowly. It's ultimately the big winner. 
Why don't we go to Mike in Michigan? Mike, Mike, Mike. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Not a problem. I'm calling about Revolve Group. This thing's got me totally flustered. I have no clue what's going on. Um, on a daily basis, I'm about to have a heart attack. Good Stop earnings. that. Stop that. Don't um, say you'll jinx yourself. Don't say that. <laughs> no kidding. I don't get it. Good earnings, yet it's tanking. And, no, it, and, this, uh, this kind of stock is just hated right now, okay? E-commerce, fashion company. I would tell you, don't lose heart. But understand that now that we're in November, you're going to have tax loss selling. I would wait till the end, the last second of the last week of the year, and buy some. I believe in the coming. I mean, this stock has really been awful. But, you know, all the IPOs have been awful because they gave us a lot of awful IPOs. That's why they're awful. There's a, what I call symmetry, syllogy, and oxymoronic logic. Eric in Indiana. Eric. Hi, Kramer. Long time listener, first time caller. My question for First you time, is about time. tailored brands. I love the NFL and the NHL deal, and I love the great dividend. Is it going to get back to the 52-week high? No. Dane in Ohio. Dane. Yeah. You're up, Dane. Great, Dane. Come on. Dane. Sorry, I'm up? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Tell me what you want to ask me something. Mr. Kramer. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and okay. thank you for all your sage advice. Okay. I'm calling about JD.com. They reported their quarter, quarterly earnings this morning. They had a beat on revenue, $18.9 billion, over $18.1 billion. Mm-hmm. They had a beat on earnings per share, mm-hmm. $0.29, cents over $0.17. Cents. Right. Their guidance for the next quarter is expected to increase over 20%. Right. Uh, they. Well, but I mean, it hit 52 week high. I mean, you know, I think it, you got it. That's about as good as you're going to get from. Remember where they're located. See, they're located in Beijing. And right now, unless those guys buy a lot of hogs, the trade war is going to pick up. And that's going to hurt them, even though necessarily it shouldn't. Stock's still trading in after hours. Very odd. All right, there's, I didn't mean, the, the Taylor Brands guy, I didn't mean, I was like, you know, it's just not that good a stock. I was trying to drive home the point. Maybe I drove it home, like, you know, kind of like that kind of thing. Anyway, there's a retail reshuffle, and it's absolutely crazy. But what it, while it runs its course, you're really happy to own the best breach. There's some Walmart here. Hey, much more made money head. It's been less than a year since Covetris started trading as stocks already on its second uh, CEO. Hmm. Could it be worth considering because it's an animal health player, uh, despite the rocky start? I'm going to talk to the guy. Ben, is it worth chasing Dana Dog's tail in this market? <laughs> I'm eyeing one of the newest cloud players to take the, the tape. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Not all spinoffs are created equal. Back in February, Henry Schein merged its animal health business with a company called Vets First Choice, then spun off the combination as Covetris. Candidly, the stock has been a, well, a disaster. 
You'd think that distributing animal health care products would be a low-risk business, yet this stock just kept proving you wrong. Covetra's plunged from the 40s in February down to the mid-20s by June. Then in August, the company reported a truly abysmal quarter with a surprise loss. Stock immediately plummeted to the low teens. I got the impression that these guys just weren't ready for prime time. Maybe the merger was too complex to digest. Stock getting hammered, falling to high single digits late last month. And that's when Covetra's decided, we've got to make a change here. Board pushed out CEO Benjamin Shaw, replaced him on the acting basis with the chairman at the time, Benjamin Wallen. And man, it has only been a few weeks, but the Wallen era is already going a heck of a lot better than the Shaw era. Earlier this week, Vetras reported another not-so-great set of results. This was a real clear the decks quarter. Management wanted to get all the negatives out of the way as soon as possible. But in this big but, they also got it for low single-digit organic growth this year, which was better than feared. In response, the stock caught fire up nearly 50% over the last few days. So can this thing keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with CEO Ben Wallen. He's the acting president and CEO of Covetris. Learn more about his company. We're excited. Ben, welcome to Man Money. Uh, good afternoon, Jim. Happy Friday. Same to you. Okay, well, uh, let's just clear the decks. Brand new company. Just you telling me why we should buy Covetris. Well, Jim, uh, Covetris has over 100,000 customers in a massive and growing market. That, as you know, the animal health industry, $45, $50 billion plus, growing mid-single digits. Um, we have a unique set of capabilities across uh, supply chain, software, pharmacy, and I think we're uniquely positioned to take advantage of that opportunity. Okay, now, uh, there was a sense of initially that, well, let's just say things weren't ready for prime time. And you said right at the conference call that you just had, November 12th, first of all, us here need to acknowledge and take responsibility for the very difficult and challenging entry and early life we have had as a public company. We underestimated the sheer complexity of the transaction and many competing priorities. Are you solving those issues? Well, Jim, it's, uh, it's three weeks in, uh, but we're starting to make progress. And I think that uh, I think the first thing to do, especially in this day and age, is uh, acknowledge when you don't get it right. And we didn't get it right. We had too many initiatives. And I think it's important to note that, you know, when we did the merger, I listened to your intro, this wasn't a merger of two companies. Um, Vets First Choice merged into Henry Scheid and Animal Health, which was really 30-plus companies. So, uh, it's not surprising with all of the competing uh, priorities that, you know, the company had challenges, but long-term opportunity still exists. We, we just have to, uh, we got to slow down to speed up, and I, I think we'll be able to do that. Now, I checked the balance sheet. Obviously, you have some debt, but nothing new, nothing to come, that comes due. I think you have the cash to pull this off. I want to, what I'm trying to do is take, off the, uh, take the disaster scenario off the table so that people who care about the humanization of pet theory, as I do, can you know, feel comfortable that at least you got a lot of time here. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've been at the forefront of, the, uh, of that trend of the humanization of pets. Um, you know, that plays right into what we do. I, I think you see that across um, uh, many different categories. And, you know, we're a leader. We, we uh, uh, supply preventatives to vets, uh, chemotherapy solutions, pain man- ma- management solutions, and we help uh, vets, uh, you know, practice better medicine. So uh, I think we're, we're in the right spot, but clearly we've had a, a lot of work to do in order to uh, uh, prove that we can do that. Okay, so every every day we give uh, Nvidia, my dog, my elder thirteen year old, uh, let's just say, um, mutt, uh, a covetous pill. 
And I said to myself, how bad could this company be for heaven's sake? That is a fantastic business. Every, this is where it's payer. We pay the vet. Uh, we would pay anything for our dog to be able to stay, have a longer life. We use Covetris. I'm sure that people at home, if they go look in the medicine chest for their animals, are going to find Covetris stuff. Uh, look, I, I agree, and um, I'm glad that uh, uh, you're taking care of NVIDIA. That's good to, that's good to hear. Um, and, yeah, we, you know, uh, over the last 10 years, the number of solutions that um, uh, we're providing to our pets, um, you know, just continues to increase. And as that market grows, Covetris is really well positioned to take advantage of those opportunities. Okay, I want to be sure you, you took a pretty big charge. Uh, are, are those behind? Are those behind us? Because they intimidate people. I know that a lot of it was non-cash, but it still intimidates uh, the investor that we have who's not hedge fund managers. Uh, I, look, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a small number, as you pointed out. It was all non-cash. And it was really uh, reflective of the stock price drop that, that you mentioned. I mean, we started at, you know, 40, went down to, you know, under $10 um, for a sustained period of time. And when you have that type of stock price decrease, uh, you know, the, you, you take one of those charged, but has nothing to do with the cash on the balance sheet, has nothing to do with our future opportunity. And I, I think that, you know, we're well poised to have that type of information behind us. Well, look, I'm glad you came on. Uh, yes, Humanization Pets is our theme, and we're looking for more names, and your thing has come down a lot. Let's leave it that way. Three weeks, congratulations, new job, and we'll be talking soon, okay? Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Okay. That's Ben Wallen. He's the president and CEO of Covetris. Remember, we used to have Henry Shine on. They had this uh, uh, healthcare business for pets. Uh, spun off, merged with another outfit. Obviously, a lot of th- moving parts. Sounds like they're getting out of control. We have money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the light round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round. Came brother. We'll start with Lynn in Louisiana. Lynn. Hey, Jim. Not booyah, but boo by you from the Bayou. Great St. Louis. Holy cow! You're a sportsman's paradise on a phone call. What's up? Hey, what about Wells Fargo? W-E-L- I am a buyer. Why is Charlie Sharp be running that? And here's what I think when I think of Charlie Sharp. How about we go to Denise in California? Denise. Hi, Jim. Denise. Pleasure to talk to you. I have uh, owned Kinder Morgan at 17 and a half. And it's sort of sitting there for a while. I'm wondering if I should keep it or get rid of it. Well, no, no, you don't have to get rid of it. It's just that I don't really like the pipeline stocks. Why? Because they don't, they frankly don't have any um, upside right now. So you can sit there on that and get the dividend. But I don't, I won't recommend any mass limited partnership or C corporations in that business. Why don't we go to John in Virginia? Notice I can't say the R. John. Hi, Jim. Uh, we've seen about a 70% decline in Kronos since you were recommending it earlier this year. What well, should I we wrong. do? Look, I, I switched from, uh, I said Canopy's no good, and I said Kronos got all that money from out from Altria. So if you want to own, if you want to own a cannabis stock, that would now be the lower risk one. It turns out that there is no low risk cannabis stock. This stock is cheap on every single basis other than earnings. I say it's got a lot of cash. It's got a lot of acres. It's, got, it's doing a lot of things right. But you know what? It's cannabis. And that turned out to be a bust. 
Maybe one day it won't be, and we'll be drinking cannabis beer and having some edibles. I'll be looking over there to, you know, to Katie Spencer, who's out on the floor, and say, listen, you know, flip me some Hershey's with cannabis. It's not happening yet. Not at all. Let's go to Alex in Iowa. Alex. Hi, Mr. Kramer. My stock is Winnebago. I don't mind Winnebago. I just, you know, it's a good stock to own if you believe that the economy is going to stay strong. That's when it does well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, inclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Back in Land with the Wizard of Booyah. Well, okay, we're not in Kansas anymore. What's up? I'm not a complainer. I am not a complainer. I didn't see anything on the menu. Nothing! And I hated that waiter. He's shameful! All right, back to that clap again. Yeah, boy. What? After a strong quarter and boarding... <laughs> say that. Yeah! As a matter of fact, we had Chipotle today for, I guess it was for Dylan's birthday. It's your birthday today. Dylan! Happy birthday, Dylan. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. God. Edit that out in post-production. Although the pilot program reminded me a lot more of Amsterdam from The Wire. Oh, darn it, we're out of time. I said at the top, as we get ready to go out to San Francisco next week for Salesforce's annual Dreamforce conference, that is the biggest event of the year for all these cloud-related companies. I keep thinking about this SaaS, Software as a Service Stock group, that is still top of mind for me because for years the cloud cohort gave you some spectacular gains. But then it hit a wall over the summer. The market suddenly turned against the whole group. Now, most of the cloud names got slammed as part of a broader rotation out of high-flying growth stocks into a lot of the, you know, the metal benders and the stocks that have a lower price earnings multiple I talk about. But lately, though, in the last few weeks, the cloud software plays have started to rebound. Bye, bye, bye! Especially Salesforce, which has caught fire going into the confab, and that's been something that's happened for a long time. So is it safe to get back in the water with the rest of them? Well, I'm bringing this up because i got a real exciting one. Joe and me. A couple weeks ago, he asked me about a recent software as a service IPO called Datadog. That's D-D-O-G. You know, I did that kind of stuff, joking around, because I didn't know it well. I told him I needed to go do more homework before I could chime in with an informed opinion. I want to circle back to it now because the stock exploded higher on Wednesday after the company reported a great quarter. Yeah, I feel badly that I'd look at it before, but these are so hard. You have to understand how hard these are. I mean, I could spend a day trying to understand Datadog, and I'm not a computer scientist from Stanford. My bad. Datadog's in the infrastructure monitoring and analytics business. In a world where everyone's going digital, you need someone to make sure your technology is actually performing the way it's supposed to. When companies spend fortunes building out these systems, they got to have them work. And that's where Datadog comes in. Their platform tracks how your infrastructure and applications are performing, then logs it so that you can have real-time insight into how your technology is working. Basically, they're a software maker's software maker. Datadog generates all this monitoring data, and then uh, their analytics turn it into actionable intelligence. 
Doing both these things on the same platform is cheaper and more efficient than trying to glean insights from multiple separate systems, which, by the way, many companies do. And it's very inefficient. Now, it, it, this lets you fix problems faster, avoid them altogether. For example, this is a good one. Datadog helps online retailers avoid website outages by making it easy to temporarily scale up their infrastructure when they get flooded with traffic. And you know what you feel like. And when you have one of those, you just go to another site. No one has patience. As more and more businesses embrace the cloud, there's always more complicated systems that need monitoring. Datadog estimates that they're dealing with a 30 30- $5 billion total addressable market opportunity. Although how much of that pie ends up going to them, well, that's an open question. We don't know. But they've got, they've got a real chance here to be the big guy in this category. Now, when Datadog came public in September, the stock defied the weakening IPO market and roared higher right out of the gate, okay? Uh, it's the deal price at 27. And then the darn thing exploded. Opened at 40 for closing at 37.55. And that was all on its first day of trading. From there, Datadog just kept falling because this was when, well, everybody hated these stocks, remember, in September. Yet another money-losing cloud stock. Please don't bother me. By late October, this was a $27 stock, okay, down more than 30% from its first day high. So now it's a tainted stock. You get that? It went from being up here to down there. People just said, another loser. I don't want to touch it. And it certainly seemed like there were reasons to be concerned. Based on the figures and the prospectus, the numbers were confusing. Datadog's revenue growth was slowing, albeit from a very high level, down from 96 last year to just under 80% in the first half of the year. More importantly, the margins were falling across the board. The company went from uh, turning a profit in the first half of 2018 to losing money in the first uh, months of 2019. Free cash flow turned negative, too. I mean, these are the things that crush things. Management had a good explanation for it, though. They rolled out a couple of big new products, and over this period spent fortunes on both research and development and marketing. You had to trust them that these investments would pay off. But who the heck were they? And for a while, no one was willing to give David Dog the benefit of the doubt. I bumped into a board member this the other day and kind of like saying, what, you didn't give us the benefit of the doubt? What? There's a lot of these companies. See, the company had to deal with some, some of the same worries that gnawed at the whole cloud complex last, over the last six months. Uh, first, they're an enterprise-oriented software provider. Enterprise. Remember the last night show? These guys are enterprise in a market that loves the consumer and hates the enterprise. The fear with Datadog was that their clients might cut back on technology investments in the face of a slowing global economy. Remember what Chuck Robbins from Cisco said to us? We even heard some of the big-name software as a service players talk about a slowdown in spending. And here you can think about Workday, a little less to extent ServiceNow, to some extent HubSpot. Second, there's a competition factor. Some of these cloud plays simply have just too many rivals. And the rivals often seem perfectly willing to lose money as long as it means they can take market share. And that's why HubSpot got eviscerated last week. With Datadog, a lot of investors were afraid that they might have a similar problem. As there are really a number of big players in this application monitoring space already. As it turns out, these fears turned, were, they were unfounded. On Tuesday night, Datadog reported its first quarter as a publicly traded company. And they knocked it out of the park. Not only did they give you a nice top and bottom line beat, they also reported ARG, which, you know, is accelerated revenue growth, up 88% year over year. And they even turned in a surprise profit. The company keeps adding more and more big accounts. They now have 727 uh, customers that generate uh, recurring revenue of more than 100,000. That's up from just 377 a year ago. That's amazing, people. If the results were great, the guidance was stellar, literally better than 
everybody expected on every single line for both the next quarter and the full year. Long story short, data don't put all the major worries to bed. Decelerating revenue growth? No. It's accelerating again. Losing money? No. Getting torn apart by slowing economy and vicious competitors? No. That's why the stock caught fire on Wednesday, rallying nearly 17% in a single session. That's insane. That don't you want one of those? Data Dog's now back up to 40 and change, slightly above where it opened on its first day of trading. How do they do it? Okay, I think it's because Data Dog's a disruptor. Their one-stop shop application monitoring and logging platform is eating the competition alive. Right now, the leading players in the application performance management space, that's a, a technical term, but that's what they're doing. The, well, who's their competitors? New Relic. Remember that? Lucerne and Dynatrace. And the leader in logging software is Splunk, which reports next week. If you want a single vendor for this stuff, Datadog apparently has the best technology. There's a, there was a raid on Splunk the other day. I think people were worried that Datadog was taking their customers. It's probably not a coincidence that New Relic has been struggling. It's become one of the worst performers in the cloud cohort. I have to wonder whether they're not losing share to Datadog. So I'm a big fan of this company. Okay, now let's talk the stock. Joe and Maine's clearly got horror sense. Stocks soared 21% since you brought it to my attention. The question is, has it run too much? Here's my problem. Data doesn't have enough in the way of earnings to judge it based on earnings per share. We need to look at it on a price-to-sales basis, and the darn thing sells for 24 times next year's sales, not earnings, sales forecast. All of their closest analogs at New Relic, uh, Don Trey Splunk, sell for less than 10 times sales. But then again, Data Dog's growing a heck of a lot faster than these other guys. My view, it depends on the tape. If the market keeps warming up to the cloud court, then some money managers will absolutely be willing to pay up for this one. However, if Wall Street turns against the cloud again, well, this one's going to get hammered. Bottom line, long term, I think Data Dog's got a great story. Short term, I'm not going to chase. I can't. It's just against my discipline to chase this stock. It, 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 you're going to get sticker shock. Now, if you like Data Dog, I say you got to wait for the pullback before you even think about pulling the trigger up here. And if the stock of this terrific company just keeps roaring, uh, you know what? Just say you missed it and move on. Stick with it. You thought I was going to duck NVIDIA? No, it was a good quarter. The stock ran up 40 points in anticipation of it. I went through it with a fine-tooth comb. They have fantastic artificial intelligence, machine learning, great gaming. If this stock keeps going down, you should be a buyer. I have to tell you that, in fact, it was one of the best conference calls of the era of this last, say, three months. And it's a really good company. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you Monday. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.